Okay, parachutes ready. Boy, the things I go through to get on all on rates as slow as 0.99% APR for 60 months on new vehicles with PenFed. You are aware that you don't have to be a military member to save hundreds on your auto loan, aren't you? Anyone can join PenFed. As someone terrified of heights, I probably should have looked into that. Probably. Drop me off at the shore. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash autos or call 1-800-247-5626. Advertised rates available through the PenFed car buying service. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. For the ninth time, I am not Joe Flacco. This is not Joe Flacco, the podcast. I held off for so long on answering this question. But Seahawks Nation called in and he wants to know why Jimmy G is holding the 49ers back. So I had to set that one straight. And also, I had to handle my top five tight ends of all time. There's even a tie for fifth which I've never done before, and maybe shows that I should have done a little bit more research on this. But I really like my top four, and I just wanted an excuse to keep Jason Witten out of the top five. Now a word from our not-at-all-fake sponsor. Episode 9 of Nacho Flacco the Podcast is sponsored by my new podcast, TP, where I interview people that bought 7,000 rolls of toilet paper before and during the pandemic. I'm going to ask, what the fuck are you doing with all that toilet paper now? Did you buy that much food as well? Are you burning it to stay warm? Are you giving it to the babysitter as payment? What are you doing with your toilet paper? So, um, there's two things I think you should talk about. One is, um, why, um, Jimmy Garoppolo is holding the Niners back and why they should get rid of him and get Cam instead. I'm not a Niners fan, I'm just saying. And also, um, how the Seahawks are better than the Niners. It's true. It's true. Seahawks Nation, I knew this was going to be you. Seahawks Nation is asking, or at least the hot take here is, is that Jimmy G is somehow holding the 49ers back. Now, granted, I'm a Niners fan. And so you probably know what I'm going to say here. But I'm going to back it up. This isn't I'm going to keep this as as uh, even-keeled and as unemotional as possible. But let me just say this. Okay, nope, you know, I was going to go somewhere and nope, I'm going to keep it even-keeled. Keep this calm and to the point. It's my quarterback, man. So Jimmy G is not holding the 49ers back. He is part of the reason that the 49ers made the Super Bowl. He's part of the reason the Niners were leading the Super Bowl through three quarters. And he's not necessarily the reason they lost. But let's get into Jimmy G's regular season. 
Everybody knows this was Jimmy's first season, first full season as a starter. It was the first time he started all 16 games in a season. Coming off an ACL injury that happened in week three of 2018. So for players that threw at least 400 passes, so it was pretty much a full season. Jimmy G was third in completion percentage, 69%. First in yards per attempt at 8.36. Seventh in average net yards. I don't know what the fuck that means. It's some weird formula, but he was in the top 10, so I'm going to include it. He led, uh, led the league in fourth quarter comebacks. Tied for second with four game-winning drives. He was 7-1 and one on the road. He was 6-3 and three when the D gave up 20 points. The 49ers had the third lowest bad throw percentage. They had the third highest on-target percentage. He won a game 36-26 against Arizona, where he threw for 408 yards, and the 49ers only rushed for 34. He was 2-1 and one when the 49ers rushed for less than 100 yards. The 49ers were second in the league in points, 13th in passing. And might I remind you, they won 48-46 in New Orleans, where Jimmy threw 349 yards and four touchdowns and won the game for the 49ers in in regulation. So where the fuck do you guys get the Jimmy G is holding the team back? Because I don't see it. Granted, I watched every snap. I've seen the picks. You've seen the meme. Game don't start until Jimmy throws a pick. So where is it? What is it? Is he too good looking for you? Is that it? Did he bang too many porn stars? Was he? Was it just because he backed up Tom Brady? Is it because he does Tom Brady's weird like? run down the sidelines and pump his fist and scream into the crowd thing. Because I find that a little weird. It's the picks, isn't it? It's the interceptions. He did throw 13 interceptions this year. So here's a list of the guys that had fewer touchdown passes and more picks than Jimmy G. Andy Dalton. Okay, who cares? Matt Ryan, didn't expect that one, did you? Jared Goff, defending NFC champion Jared Goff. Potential future Hall of Famer Phillip Rivers. And defending, you can't really defend this one. Reigning, that's the word I'm looking for. Reigning Rookie of the Year, Baker Mayfield. All of those guys had fewer touchdowns and more interceptions than Jimmy G. And the Colts, who are a Super Bowl, who think of themselves as a Super Bowl contender, saw Phillip Rivers sitting out there and said, we got to have that guy. There's 25 mil. 
one-year deal. The Browns looked at their coach or their quarterback and said, coach is definitely the problem. Matt Ryan's going to end up in Canton one day. Jared Goff, well, I mean, not a fan. And Andy Dalton, you know, he's Andy Dalton. But Andy Dalton was a winning quarterback with the fucking Bengals. Joe Burrow will be so lucky. None of those guys are bad quarterbacks. And I'd say not a lot of them are holding their holding their team back. It's certainly not a it's not a it's not a thing that gets thrown at them. It's the being held back is a function of the Niners blowing a 2010 lead in the Super Bowl. But Jimmy doesn't play defense. He had a couple passes batted down. But I looked up how many passes he had batted down all season. It was just six. So it's not a chronic problem. Chris Jones just played a fucking hell of a game. Jimmy G wasn't out there trying to defend Sammy Watkins. That was Richard Sherman. Jimmy G wasn't there trying to track down Tyree Kill. That should have been Emmanuel Mosley. Jimmy did what Jimmy did his job. And so I'm with George Kittle because George Kittle got asked this question. And he's got to defend his boy. He's got to defend Jimmy. I don't. But not once this season was I sitting there going, God, man, I really wish we had somebody, you know, different. He threw a stupid pick about once a game. And it was always a stupid pick. It was always like a boneheaded, like, what the fuck are you doing type of pick. But you knew after the first couple that he was going to come back and he was going to be on point for the rest of the game after that. And if you if you take out the first three games, and I'm including the Pittsburgh game, where there was like four, was like five turnovers. I think mean, four of them might have been picks, but two of them bounced off receivers' hands, which happens to every, every every quarterback. But still, he still came down, even with all that baggage, still came down and threw the game-winning touchdown in the closing seconds. So no. This 49er fan does not think the Niners need to draft a quarterback. This 49er fan does not think the Niners need to go get needed to go get Tom Brady. Or wait for sure shit, not wait for Kirk Cousins. Now the other thing that people think that Jimmy G was just along for the along for the ride is because the defense was so good. That's why I brought up those stats earlier. Six and three when the D gave up 20 points. I looked up Russell Wilson just for shit's sake. Nine and four. You know what the winning percentage is at nine and four? 69%. I know what you're thinking. Nice. Winning percentage when you're six and three like Jimmy was? 66%. There's no difference there. And Russell was being talked about as MVP caliber all season. If you're looking for a dark horse MVP pick next year, 
Jimmy G is a dark horse MVP pick. The Niners are going to win some games. They're the favorites to win the division. And if he can take his his touchdowns from 26 to 35 and his interceptions from 13 to 8, Niners go 12 and 4, you might be looking at the the league MVP. Because this is what Matt Ryan did in his second year under Kyle Shanahan. His second full year under Kyle Shanahan, Matt Ryan went and won the MVP. And he hasn't been the same since. You know why? Because Kyle Shanahan is not his coach anymore. Now that might get held against Jimmy. It might not. But Jimmy's capable of those kinds of numbers. Again, 69% completion percentage, 8.36 yards per attempt. And he doesn't have the weapons. And I talked about this in the Carson Wentz podcast. He doesn't have the weapons that make you think, oh, okay. He's being carried. He's got Kittle. And the running game's always going to be good because it's a Shanahan. But he's going into the season with his top receiver is Debo Samuel. And then after that, I dare you to name somebody. Unless you're a Niner fan, you can't. But I'll, here, Dante Pettis, two years ago, second-round draft pick. He's in the doghouse. He might be gone. Kendrick Bourne. Jalen Hurd, who was a rookie last year but didn't play because of a back injury. Trent Taylor, who hasn't played all of last year. Injury. All of this, there's there's nobody on this receiving core. So if Jimmy were to go out there and throw, again, throw for 35 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, another 4,000 yards, which he pretty much did this year. With those weapons, yeah, you might be looking at the MVP. But I'm biased. Thanks for listening. Okay, not Joe. In your opinion, who are the top five tight ends in history? So Matthew's asking for my top five tight ends of all time. I'm hoping he said all time. I took notes on this, and all I wrote down was top five tight ends. So even if you're asking for this season or right now, I'm going with top five tight ends of all time. Cowboy fans, we're going to talk a lot about your boy. And I don't mean Jay Novacek. God, I hated that guy. All right. So I'm going to start with Gronk. Gronk is my number one tight end of all time. And here's why. He doesn't have the catches. He doesn't have all the yards. 521 receptions, 7,861 yards, but 79 touchdowns in only 115 games. Is the best ratio of any of these tight ends. 68.4 yards per game. 
best of any of these tight ends. And a 15.09 yards per reception. He retired with a 15 yards per reception. Jerry Rice retired with a 14. Gronk was a fucking alien. And is my is my number one tight end of all time. My number two tight end of all time. God, this is difficult. I'm going to go with Shannon Sharp. Now, you might be expecting Tony Gonzalez. You might be expecting Antonio Gates. Despite the warning, you might be expecting Jason Witten. I'm going to go with Shannon Sharp. And here's why. Shannon Sharp led the way for all of these guys in a way that nobody really saw at the time. We looked at Shannon Sharp as this just freak. His brother was a wide receiver. He was just a, a bulked up, loud mouth. If you think he's if you think he's loud on with Skip right now, just a loud mouth, funny. But a loud mouth. But that guy blocked. He was downfield. He did everything. And paved the way for all of these guys. And played in the hardest, harder era to play in as well. So while he didn't quite, you know, 815 receptions, did get to 10,000 yards receiving. 12.34 yards per reception was easily the best tight end tight end in football for pretty much the entire 90s so Shannon Sharp is my number two tight end of all time number three I'm gonna go with Tony Gonzalez and because Tony Gonzalez was the is is now the prototype he's the or he was the he's the the original prototype he's the he's the one that you put up on uh on um on kickstarter right and it's got it doesn't quite have everything that the later models are going to have maybe isn't as fast not quite as athletic doesn't have the yards per catch but just kind of it was the it was the role model for all of it. It was the prototype for all of it. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Tony Gonzalez. They might have mentioned this, but he played basketball at Cal and uh, power forward, like all these guys are. And uh, basically, you know, the Jimmy Grams and even the Gronks and um, the Antonio Gates that came after him. You know, these uh, not not Gronk, but like Jimmy Graham, Antonio Gates. These guys wouldn't, you know, they were basketball players before, you know, and, and didn't really even play college football. And then ended up becoming eventually Hall of Fame level tight ends. And that's because of Tony Gonzalez. But to, to take it a step back, Tony Gonzalez was looked, they were looking for guys like Tony Gonzalez because of guys like Shannon Sharp. So we got Gronk, 
We got Shannon Sharp. We got Tony Gonzalez. My fourth is Antonio Gates. 955 receptions, 11,841 yards. And I think if not for the last few years, you know, his 12.4 yards per catch. I mean, let me just rattle off some of these here for you. 16, 12, 12, 13, 13, 11, 7, 14, 6, 15, 6. And then, you know, he turned 30 and it's 12s, 11s, 11s, 11, 11, 11, 10, 5, 11. But in that first 8 to 10 years of his career was an absolute monster. And so Antonio Gates is my number four tight end of all time. And the fifth spot is where it got tricky for me. Because Witten's got numbers. He's an accumulator. And and in the past, I've likened him to Frank Gore, who is my favorite football player of all time. So I mean that as a compliment. In that he's played for forever. He's maybe wasn't ever didn't have the stretch of being the best tight end in football or the best running back in football, but was consistent, was always there and always got the job done and has put up so many numbers that it's hard to deny him the fifth spot, but I'm going to fucking do it. Here's why. When you look at the 17 wide receivers, who have 6,000 or more yards receiving in their career. 17. So number one in yards per catch is Harold Carmichael, 15.23, 79 touchdowns. So the number one in yards per reception and 79 touchdowns. Jason Witten, oh, and he only did it on 590 catches, so less than 600 catches. Witten has 1,215 catches, so double the catches. Still has less touchdowns, but also has a 10.68 yards per reception, which is the lowest of any of these guys. Lower than Ben Watson, who's been playing for forever. Lower than Heath Miller. Lower than Jeremy Shockey, Tony Gonzalez, Greg Olson. Jason Witten is last among players, among tight ends with over 6,000 yards receiving. He's last in yards per reception. And he's sixth in touchdowns, but he's two in catches. This was not a guy that, that teams had to game plan around the way you had to game plan around Gates and Gonzalez and Gronk and Shannon Sharp. You covered him. You weren't too worried about him. He wasn't going to break a you know a long one. His helmet might fly off, and John Madden might go fucking you know bust half and half a nut watching him and everything else. But like he's not. He was no. He was never dynamic, and still isn't. He took a year off and went to be an announcer and came back and was still the same boring ass fucking tight end. So my fifth spot actually doesn't go to Harold Carmichael either. It actually goes to Kellen Winslow Sr. Partly because he gave us Kellen Winslow Jr., who's a fucking dirtbag psychopath. Um, But 
Kellen Winslow Sr. Okay. 12.46 yards per reception. Hall of Famer. Only played in 109 NFL games. 6,741 yards. 45 touchdowns. You know, when we're going back and we're looking at the first guys to ever do this, it's Kellen Winslow and Harold Carmichael. Both in the Hall of Fame. And so I'm actually... I'm going to split that fifth spot between the two of them. I'm not going to decide between Harold Carmichael and, and Kellen Winslow. But we're going to go with those two guys as the fifth spot. And I think that Witten's only going to continue to fall. Because, like, Travis Kelsey... I mean, there's an, shit, there's an argument for Vernon Davis as being the superior tight end. I mean, Vernon Davis has half the catches, but only nine less touchdowns. Almost three full yards per reception more. But you don't think of Vernon Davis as like an all-time tight end. I mean, athletically, he's up there. He wasn't quite as athletic as... He was fast, but he wasn't quite as like coordinated as the Gonzalez and the Jimmy Grahams and, and Antonio Gates. But you you were scared of Vernon Davis. You're, nobody's ever been worried about Jason Witten. And you can't be a you can't be that boring and, and make my top five at any position. You gotta be somebody that scares opposing defensive coordinators. And Jason Witten was never that guy. So my top five in order, Gronk, top six actually, Gronk, Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates, and then a tie four between Kellen Winslow and Harold Carmichael. So go look up Kellen Winslow and Harold Carmichael. Might be interested to see what uh, stats-wise where they're at and probably find some grainy YouTube-ass videos. But those are my top five tight ends of all time. Witten's in the top 10. But, you know, you've got other guys that are, you know, Jimmy Graham, where does he go? Greg Olson, where does he go? I mean, these guys have better, you know, they've got some better numbers than Witten. And it's not like, you know, it's like if we if we played the same trick that, that we did with Witten earlier, you know, where we, or with Gates, where we just looked at, where it was up until 30. Remember all those 14s and 15s and 16s that we had with Gates? Well, here it is with Witten. 11, 11, 11, 11, 11, 11, 10, 11, 9. There's just nothing, dyna- nothing dynamic there. And for that reason, he's out. If you've made it this far, I appreciate it. I hope you liked what I had to say. If you didn't like it, I hope you come back next week and hear more of the stupid shit that comes out of my mouth. Thanks for listening. Go ahead, like, subscribe, review, whatever you got to do. Help me get that podcast clout. Thanks, guys.